Welcome to this edition of Sales Continuum. And here's your host, Tony Bonanno. Welcome back, listeners. During the recent days on the rundown to New Year's Eve and the start of 2021, I've had conversations and read dozens of posts and articles where people have said something like, here's hoping 2021 will be a better year. On the surface, I and most people would agree that this is a worthwhile sentiment. But if all we do is hope, the coming year is destined to be no different to the one we've just experienced. Before I delve into what this is all about, let's do a bit of reflecting on my year that was. In 2020, I started a new study program in board directorship. I wrote another five chapters of my upcoming book and now I only have three left to work on. A new strategic partnership was formed with one of the world's leading training and development organizations. I reconnected with a treasured friend. I handed over the presidency of my Rotary Club to a most worthy successor. I worked with an amazing team of people to help them charter a new Rotary Club. The CEO Institute engaged me to speak at four of their Sydney chapters. I made several new friends. The celebration of my daughter's 18th birthday and coming of age was a definite highlight. I attended two weddings. I watched my daughter graduate from high school. I took on new business clients. I accepted an invitation to be a founding board member for a new charitable foundation. And my family and I continue to enjoy good health. Quite easily, I could go on and on, but I think you're probably noticing that in a year that most people freely describe as quite shitty, there was plenty for which I am most grateful, and I dare say that the majority of people would be able to do the same. It's all too easy to dwell on the negatives and somewhat effort laden to pick out the gems worthy of cutting and polishing. So, am I hopeful for a better 2021? Yes. Do I understand that irrespective of the underlying circumstances that have rolled on from 2020 into this new year, it is entirely up to me what I make of it? Absolutely yes. If our currency is simply hope, we are most likely setting ourselves up for some degree of disappointment. Hope is the seed of the desire that needs cultivating if it is to be something more than wishful thinking. Hope needs nurturing. It's as simple as that. That nurturing must be in the form of definite, clear and purposeful action. For without that action, the seed of hope remains in the ground, ungerminated and eventually dies. I invite you to reflect as I have on the events of 2020 and focus on the positive outcomes that you enjoyed. Think a little deeper on each of those outcomes and determine what is it that you did to make it happen? Then analyze those actions to see your core strengths that can make things happen again. Do you hope for a better 2021? I'm sure you do. So ask yourself, what outcomes do I really want this year and what must I do to make them happen? For the salespeople who are reading this or tuning into the podcast episode, the question is simple, the answer somewhat less so, yet the process is the same. 
What business outcomes do you want in 2021? Once you have those clear in your mind, only then can you set about determining how to achieve them. For salespeople, hope must not be your currency, but it can be a driving force towards clear and purposeful actions that get results. Look at your pipeline and determine the specific action steps that will lead you to the next phase of each deal. Next, you act. 2021 is here. My faith lies not in hoping that it will be better, but in my ability to do what is necessary to turn my hopes into reality. So, how will you tackle 2021? I just want to let everyone know that one of the services that is available through my business is a remote working assessment. Through a straightforward questionnaire, we are able to help a business understand precisely how somebody is working at home. We assess it across eight different factors, eight different areas, and you receive a report that says, this particular person works this way at home, this is how they are coping, here are the areas that they need extra support on, and the report provides you with recommendations on how to work with them effectively. If you want to know more, reach out to me at valueselling.academy and I'll be in touch with you and happily share with you how that process works and what value you can derive from it. In today's main sales topic, I want to talk a little bit about feature and benefit selling and I'm asking the question, is it dead? Last week I had an encounter with a sales team selling a B2B solution in the business services category. What caught my immediate attention was the high reliance on tactical selling to potential clients that have plenty of choice when it comes to providers in this area. I did note that this team were very proficient with respect to their product knowledge of features and benefits. And given that this particular business is actually making sales, there is an argument that selling based on features and benefits does work. So we turned our attention to the deals that got away and started analysing precisely where the obstacles were occurring in the sales process. The clear lack of adequate discovery in the sales process demonstrates that the only sales that happen are the ones where the prospect has an instant and uncontested alignment with the vendor's generic value proposition. The lost deals we analysed showed that the lack of understanding of the problem from the prospect's perspective and the delivery of a generic proposal were the most significant contributing factors to the loss. To better understand what I mean, let's look at the influencing document that salespeople use to finalise a sale, the proposal. A solid proposal must, 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 contain the following essential sections. One, a tailored value proposition that clearly demonstrates how the proposed solution will address specific business challenges and deliver return on investment. Two, a clear and concise appraisal of the business challenges the solution is designed to solve. This element must use the voice of the customer to be effective. Three, the definitive way in which the proposed solution will address the identified challenges, 
and four, the salesperson's best estimate on how return on investment will be achieved. Needless to say, if discovery is poor, the salesperson is unlikely to know enough specific information to complete these essential elements. Clearly, there is room for some specific features and benefits to be discussed in the proposal. However, what happens all too often is a feature and benefit dump that does no justice to the prospect's challenges and only gets in the way of differentiating this solution from all the other competitive offers. So what can we do to avoid our proposals, be they verbal or written, becoming the dreaded feature and benefit dump? The answer is threefold. Firstly, stop thinking about the benefit of each feature from your point of view. Marketing departments are very good at developing collateral and sell sheets that link features and benefits in this way. Secondly, in the main influencing section of your proposal, only discuss features where there is a clear correlation between those features and specific challenges that have been identified during discovery. Thirdly, start thinking about benefits from your prospect's perspective. So the thought process should be something like this. What are the specific challenges to be addressed? Which features of my product or service best addresses those challenges? And what will be the benefit to the customer when those challenges are addressed by those features? As a capable and competent salesperson, if you don't have enough information to answer these last three questions, you must reasonably conclude that your discovery has been inadequate and you need to do more. This approach ensures we will never again deliver a generic proposal stacked with all the reasons we think a prospect should buy our stuff. It also forces the need to be exceptionally good at discovery. So, is feature benefit selling dead? If used generically, absolutely yes, it's dead. If used contextually, and with the modifications I've just described, it takes on renewed life and helps in the crafting of a unique and tailored value proposition for each and every deal. And here's a footnote for sales managers. During your deal reviews, ask the three critical questions. Here they are again. What are the specific challenges to be addressed? Which features of my product or service best addresses those challenges? And what will be the benefit to the customer when those challenges are addressed by those features? If your salesperson can't answer confidently, you know you need to send them back down the discovery path. Well, that's it for this week's episode. Remember to download and subscribe and please rate the podcast. Until then, take care, stay safe. Thank you.